waiting. Not really our favorite thing, is it? Well, in this Discover the Word podcast, Daniel Ryan Day will be leading the group in a discussion called Wait For It. Let's be real. Modern culture is not a patient culture. We don't like to wait for things. I was reading Henry Nouwen recently, uh, and he wrote just this phrase, most people consider waiting a waste of time. Maybe that's why we pull out our smartphones when we're at a red light in the car or when we're in line or something, because we're trying to fill that time where we're just waiting with something productive. Yeah, because I think most of the time we do feel that waiting is a waste of time. However... As I've been reflecting on this, I've realized as I've been thinking about the Bible that in many ways you could say that the story of the Bible is a story of waiting. Yeah, and so be part of a group of people who are admittedly not very good at waiting as they consider a bunch of examples of what it means to wait on the Lord. This is the Discover the Word podcast. And this is Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries with Mark DeHaan, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. They are your regular study partners who invite you to be part of the group with them as they walk through topics and passages together that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus, the living Word of God, in the pages of the Bible. And this week, it's Daniel's turn to lead, and he's been thinking lately about waiting. And he's been impressed with how the Old Testament is filled with waiting. The New Testament is filled with waiting. And in our broken world today, we are still waiting. And so he wants to take us to some passages in the Bible about waiting. And I think we'll discover that the Bible is also filled with hope for those who wait on the Lord. So let's join the group for this study called Wait For It. What are you waiting for? <laughs> what am I waiting for? Yeah. I think I'm waiting for life to get back to normal after a long season of not being normal. And I'm very aware that it probably mm-hmm. won't get back to normal, if you know what I mean. You know, we've entered mm-hmm. a new world. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are sitting around saying this too shall pass Mm -hmm. because things always have. And yet there's so many different complexities that for those of us who aren't just waiting, but who are longing Mm -hmm. and almost desperately hoping for things to get better, I think we may end up being a little disappointed Mm -hmm. because I don't think things will ever get Uh, back to the way they uh, were. uh, Let me just tell you what came to mind. Mm -hmm. I'm of an age right now, where looking forward, I'm waiting to see how it's going to wind up. Meaning life? Life. Yeah. My life, my health, uh, Mm. relationships Mm -hmm. of other people of like age. It's very difficult, but it's also very hopeful. And I don't know really how to net all of that out. But yeah, I'm kind of waiting. I'm in a... Yeah. You know, it's like early in life, you get big challenges and you had a sense of development Mm -hmm. going forward. Mm -hmm. At this point... Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in my mind and all the things I want to do, but I'm just kind of waiting. Life has a different arc. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about waiting, there's so many things that come to mind the more I think about just the idea of waiting, whether it's waiting to see who my kids become over Mm. time Mm. or waiting for decisions that we're making in our church group 
to see if those decisions are good decisions or not good decisions. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And waiting to see how this episode of Discover the Word will come together <laughs> or not. There's so many things, I think, in our lives that we're waiting for all the time. Yeah. I have to say there are a whole lot of really good, positive things that I'm hoping for as well. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that too. I really appreciate your honesty, though, because in the season of life, the elderly, if you will, season of life, which, you know, three of us here around the table are putting our toe into, you know, it is a different arc. But Daniel, I think your point is we're always waiting for something, you know, whether it's in an earlier mm-hmm. season as you're reflecting on with your kids, with, you know, decisions, with career, et cetera, or mm-hmm. it's in a middle season when you have different responsibilities or when it's an advanced season, mm-hmm. when you see, hmm, you know, I'm really relinquishing mm-hmm. a lot of goals. I'm really, I'm, I'm ramping down. My arc is turning in a different direction. Mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. We're always actually waiting for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's be real. Modern culture is not a patient culture. <laughs> we don't like to wait for things. We've come up with just about, I think, every shortcut that we can to get something faster than it normally takes to get it mm-hmm. or to get things done more quickly. And I was reading Henry Nouwen recently, and he wrote just this phrase, most people consider waiting a waste of time. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? I think it's true for me because I want to do, I want to engage, I want to act. And it seems like waiting is getting in the way of being able to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why we pull out our smartphones when we're at a red light in the car uh, or when uh-huh. we're in line or something, because we're trying to fill that time where we're just waiting with something productive. Mm-hmm. In a deep sense, don't you feel like when we're waiting, we're forced to see that we're not in control? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and then, so yeah, pull out the phone or yeah. <laughs> do like you're saying, Bill, just to keep some semblance of the facade that we're in control. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a good point. Yeah, what are some of the other reasons that we struggle with waiting? I think it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago. I think we've been trained this way by our culture. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think it was Oz Guinness, I read some time ago that he wrote that there was a kind of a cultural shift, interestingly enough, with the introduction of the revolving charge account. Mm. Because up until that moment, people had to wait Mm. and save to get whatever they wanted to get. And with the revolving charge account, all of a sudden there was immediacy Mm. in a sense that they had never known Mm. it before. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Similar Uh, with the microwave. Yeah. (laughs) Right? That's right. Yeah. As I've been reflecting on this, I've realized as I've been thinking about the Bible that in many ways you could say that the story of the Bible is a story of waiting Hmm. over and over again. The Old Testament's filled Hmm. with stories of waiting. The New Testament's filled with waiting. We in this post-New Testament time are still waiting, Mm -hmm. right? We're waiting for Christ to return, for God to make all things right. So without spending too much time on this, just think through the story of the Bible. So starting in the Old Testament, the New Testament, what are some of the stories of waiting that come to mind that kind of tell us the story also of the Bible, the good mm. news. Well, right out of the gate in the garden, the Lord says that he's going to somehow overthrow the enemy mm-hmm. through a descendant of the woman. The descendant's going to be wounded, but he's going to crush the head of the enemy, of the serpent. And really, there's been a waiting for that. There was, at least, up until the cross. How is that going to happen? Yeah. 
I think about Noah and his family in the ark waiting for the floodwaters to dissipate mm. and waiting that second time to see if the dove would return mm. or not. And the anticipation may be mixed with some dread as to what mm. they would find. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And Abraham and Sarah, who were promised yeah. an heir, in fact, that their descendants would yeah. be, you know, like the stars in the sky, so numerous, and they waited and mm. waited and waited way, way, way mm. long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then Israel ends up in captivity in Egypt, and they wait yeah. for a long time to be rescued. And then Israel finally gets their land that they've been longing for, and they end up with a, a few kings. And then prophets start warning that hey, you're not living the way Mm -hmm. that God has called you to and judgment is coming, something bad's coming. If you don't follow, if you don't walk on God's path, they walk off God's path and they pay the consequences for that. And so they were waiting for the consequences. And then when they were in exile, they were waiting for redemption Mm -hmm. to get out of exile. When we get to the New Testament, what are some of the stories of waiting that come to mind? I think of the sisters of Lazarus who mm. sent mm. word to Jesus that their brother was ill. Yeah. It was somebody that by their testimony, Jesus mm. loved, and yet they waited and waited, and it was four days that Lazarus had already been dead before Jesus arrived, and they were waiting mm. that whole time. Yeah, yeah, and before that, but that's so good, but before that too, I mean, just the whole wait for the Messiah. Yeah. And when he finally shows up, the wait to recognize who he is, and, and then when he does reveal who he is, the wait for people to mm. accept who he was and to mm-hmm. share who he was. Yeah. And then after Jesus ascended with a promise to return, immediately the church was waiting, <laughs> waiting. Yeah. When? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And even in the midst of that waiting, there was immediately after the ascension of Jesus, there was the waiting for the promise of the Spirit ah. to be fulfilled as they waited yeah. in the upper room. So I think you might be onto something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Bible is a story of waiting. That's powerful. Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're still a part of that waiting story. Mm-hmm. When I was looking it up, the word wait in my translation shows up 119 times, fluctuates a little bit. And uh, one of the reasons for that, as we'll see throughout our conversations, is there's different words that are translated different ways for wait. Mm-hmm. But it shows up a lot in the Bible. And so this week, I thought maybe we could spend some time talking about waiting and hope and what it looks like to wait well as we're waiting on God to come and to make all things right. And so I'd like to begin with a verse. Uh, this is Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. Maybe, Mart, if you could read that for us and let, just listen for the word wait. Okay, I've got uh, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. If you look through Psalm 27, you'll see that this psalm that's attributed to David, which we've talked a lot about psalms, and a lot of book one of psalms are psalms attributed to David. My Bible calls this a triumphant song of confidence, but it's a song of waiting. And David talks about in verse 2 and 3, waiting for deliverance. In verse 4, he talks about waiting to be with God. In verse 5, he's waiting for God's protection. In verse 7, he's waiting for God to hear him. In verse 11, he's waiting for direction. So there's a lot of waiting in this psalm. And yet David is, uh, I think, somewhat challenging himself. Like, okay, come on, I can do this. Wait, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let my heart take courage, which makes me wonder if maybe David wasn't feeling that courageous or that strong in the moment of waiting. Hmm. But wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for Mm -hmm. the Lord. 
just as I ran through that list of some of those waiting things that David was waiting for, did any of those jump out to you as things that you've experienced waiting for, whether it was deliverance, God's protection, for God to hear you, Mm -hmm. for direction, any of those jump out? I think the one that hits me the most is waiting for direction because Mm -hmm. there's so many different seasons in life where we're just trying to find the next step of the Mm -hmm. way. And we don't want to take a wrong step, but at the same time, we're waiting for him to guide us to the right step. And sometimes it can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can remember waiting to see if I was going to get married Mm -hmm. and then waiting Mm -hmm. for children through adoption and then waiting for clarity regarding how I was going to invest my gifts for God in my job. You know, so there are seasonal waits, I think, that feel a little bit like I've been asking God for, Mm -hmm. yes, direction, Bill, absolutely true, but also kind of for... um, to arrive at the place where my destiny is, if you will. And I even find that in moments of urgency, uh, and I'm talking about just immediately where I don't know how to handle a very difficult situation, sometimes in caring for a loved one who just is sort of out of control and in your heart you're crying out. And then Mm -hmm. so often there has been a fairly quick I say quick response that has enabled me to take the next step. You know, and you say, there's been provision there. Yeah, like a provision. And it's like, okay, I'm heard. And I love the way the psalm ends. Just wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. You know, that that directive, be strong, let your heart take courage. There's a peace we have in it while we're waiting. That's an action. Mm -hmm. That's something powerful. How are we strong? How do we let our hearts Mm -hmm. take courage? That's right. And that's what we're going to talk about throughout our series of conversations. Uh, We're going to consider what it means to wait for the Lord, Mm. to find hearts that are strong and courageous in the midst of waiting. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come from the hope that we have in God, because hope and waiting are very closely related in the Bible. And we're going to see that as we see a bunch more examples of what it looks like to wait on the Lord. That sounds good, Daniel. I can't wait. Yeah, good one, Bill. And we're looking forward to hearing what's ahead, because as Daniel said, in so many ways, the story of the Bible is a story of waiting, and it is also a major component in our stories. You're with Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day for this study called Wait For It. And you know, often what we find ourselves waiting for is direction. Life choices can be difficult. It's tough to know what to do. And so when we're waiting for God to provide some kind of direction, that's where the group goes next. After this word about something from Our Daily Bread Ministries that I think you'll want to watch. Now to go along with this study of how waiting is a big part of the story of our lives and the story of the Bible, I'd like to invite you to take advantage of a video resource from Our Daily Bread Ministries that fits with this waiting for God theme. And it's about Abraham. Now, you may remember that God promised Abraham a son. He promised him a land that his descendants would live on and that his descendants would be a blessing to the whole world. And then Abraham spent most of his life waiting to see how God would keep those promises. And a guest we had on the show a couple of times, Dr. Jack Beck, has a fascinating episode of the recent Holy Land documentary from Our Daily Bread Ministries titled, The Land God Promised Abraham. Now, if you're in a season of waiting right now, and I'm actually pretty sure that you are, I think you'll be encouraged by revisiting Abraham's story through this video. To watch the episode free of charge, just go to discovertheword.org and click on the link that you'll see as you scroll down. 
or just go to the Our Daily Bread Ministries YouTube channel and you'll find it there. And now, conversation two in this study called Wait For It. Describe a time in your life when you were waiting for direction. How did you feel in that season of waiting? What were some of the emotions you experienced? If you can share, what were you waiting to be directed about? I was waiting on a job situation. I had been moved out of a previous role and um, was trying to understand what was going to be next. Mm -hmm. And um, the emotion that I felt was anxiety Mm -hmm. because we had a house full of little kids and a bunch of things that needed care and um, didn't know where that care was going to come from. And Mm -hmm. uh, just waiting for the Lord to say, okay, this is the way, walk in it, you know, mm-hmm. and just the waiting for that was pretty painful at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Mine's very similar, Bill, and it was, was it too long ago? It's maybe 10 or 12 years ago, and it happened when I completed my tenure uh, leading Mops International, and, you know, I didn't really apply for a job, but I was waiting constantly for God, where do you want to use me now? And you know what? It took almost five years for God to really make that clear. Mm. And as a result, I felt him asking me to say yes to a whole lot of things that I probably would never do. Like I went to Africa and blogged with a bunch of mom bloggers about HIV AIDS and the pandemic there. And um, at the end of it, you know what? I'm going to be super honest. I found out that there was this huge restlessness in me because I was trying to attach to something for my identity. And God just wanted me to attach to him wherever I was, whatever I was doing. But that took a good five years to make sense of. And and finally, you know, he plopped me right down here with you guys. (laughs) An easier one comes to mind for me. I just remember years ago when uh, my wife's stepmom was at an age where she needed to uh, have some care. So she asked if she could come and and move in with us. Well, we were just living in a little bungalow at the time. Hmm. So we had to find a, a house and it had to be the kind of situation in the house that would provide the space she needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we just kept looking. We kept looking, and all of a sudden, hmm. there it was. Oh, that's great, Mark. Yeah, I can relate to that. And there's almost like an excitement that comes when you're looking for a place to live, and then it finally works out as you move in and as you kind of get settled. You know, there's so many areas of our lives where we're asking God for direction because we believe, we trust that he loves us, that he wants what's best for us, that he has a perspective to know what's best. And so we seek his direction, whether it's smaller things or whether it's big things, uh, because we really do believe that, or we at least want to believe that he knows what's best for us. Yeah. And I think, Daniel, that until we believe that he knows what's best for us, we won't believe that he wants what's best for us. That's right. Hmm. I think the one precedes the other. We have to trust his understanding in order to trust those purposes and stuff. Well, that's like profound. We could spend like an hour and a half on that right there, Bill. Like, for instance, when I was going through that job situation, it was easy to feel like I'd been abandoned by God. Mm -hmm. But before I could believe that he wanted what was best and would do what was best, I had to first believe that he knew what was best. I had to trust him himself before I could trust his purposes. So, Bill, there must have been an element of knowing that he cared as well what was best, right? 
Yeah, and that's part of trusting him and not just his purposes and going to his heart, mm-hmm. which knew and cared mm-hmm. and loved mm-hmm. in ways that I couldn't really understand when I was going through all that anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, that's a great segue into the psalm that we're going to talk about today as we talk about seasons of waiting, because I think we'll see some of those same things, Bill, that you're describing in uh, Psalm 25 that we're mm-hmm. going to read today. We've spent a lot of time talking about the Psalms and how it's a prayer book of God's people, Israel. And this is a good example of that. Psalm 25, in my translation, the title of it is Prayer for Guidance and for Deliverance. And so we're going to read the two verses that kind of capture that the most. And then we're going to talk about a few other places in the Psalm as well. So before we dive fully into the Psalm, would somebody be willing to read Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5? Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Hmm. Mine on that last part, Elisa says, for you I wait all the day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and one of the things we'll see throughout our series of conversations is that oftentimes wait and hope are two words that get translated for the word wait. In my translation in this verse, I have wait as well. That word is the, the Hebrew kavah, and it can be translated to wait or to hope, huh. which we just saw in those two translations. It most likely comes from an ancient word, like the root word that created kavah, which means to take the strands of a rope and to twist them together and then to stretch that rope so that it's really tense, hmm. but it's still holding strong. So picture that, a bunch of strings that are twisted together and then stretched so that they're tense, but they're still mm-hmm. holding strong. That's the word picture that's behind this word, kavah, which means to wait. And so how does that relate to wait? So I think it implies this enduring, this remaining, this awaiting as this rope that is tense is still holding Hmm. It's kind of like our conversation yesterday when we talked about be strong, you know, take heart. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that to wait or to hope, those are actions. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about how it feels like we're not doing anything when we're waiting, but this is an intentional action. And when we see it that way, I think it changes our whole approach and embrace of the action of waiting instead of being so passive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in seasons of waiting, oftentimes, you know, like I was describing my situation, I felt anxiety. I felt the tension of that. And so that rope stretched tight is held at full tension until the moment the tension's released. And that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the alternative that the cord, the rope snaps and breaks? Mm-hmm. And what is that then? A, a falling into despair, hopelessness, or? Or the tension's released, the pressure's released, and, and it can relax again. Whatever the purpose of the tension was has been resolved, and it doesn't have to experience tension at that point. I think it could be either thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's something there, right, of this, like holding strong and then some kind of release and where that release comes from. And one of the things that the psalmist in this particular psalm does, and this psalm is attributed to David, is he processes this waiting for instruction, this waiting for deliverance by looking at God and how God has interacted with him, 
what he believes about who God is and how God interacts. And we can see that uh, in verses 6 through 10, where we see, Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, of your steadfast love. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake. God instructs sinners. He leads the humble. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. And so, Bill, to your point earlier in the story you were sharing, like one of the first things the psalmist is doing as he's in this season of waiting is reminding himself of who God is. How does that strike you as you hear some of those phrases, steadfast love, all your paths are steadfast love and faithfulness? It's kind of what Mark was doing when he pushed back on, isn't there a heart behind God's knowing? And and David's gone past what God knows to what God's heart is. Mm. And that's kind of the backdrop for everything he's hoping for. And we need to remember, I think that, you know, David knew what it meant to wait. <laughs> you know, he was anointed as king of Israel, but not crowned for a very long time. And in that very long time, he suffered persecution at the current King Saul's hands. He he watched his dear friend Jonathan die eventually and Saul die. You know, he struggled. And we know him from Psalm 23 before he was even anointed, you know, as the shepherd boy who becomes king. And mm. you just see that this is something David knows about. He's writing from his own experience here. Yeah, and you touched on when you say his experience, because it really comes down to that, doesn't it? We can have all of the theology and we can believe it, but until mm-hmm. we're actually in it and experience something that we know in our hearts has, oh, I get it now. Mm. It's that experience that makes the huge difference, I think. Yeah. And so that's one of the first things that I see in this psalm is David is looking and being reminded of the steadfast love of the Lord that he's experienced in the past. And so how can I wait in this season David is leaning on what he knows about who God is and how God acts. In fact, in verse 14, he even calls it friendship, the friendship of the Lord. And so there's this relational aspect there, this experience that he has. The other thing I noticed in this is David never loses sight of his need for God either. Mm -hmm. So he calls himself a sinner in Mm. this. In verse 11, he asks God to pardon his great guilt So there's this attitude that David has, this attitude of dependence that I can't do this on my own. I need this God of steadfast love. I think that helps a lot Mm -hmm. because we're so aware of our own imperfections and feel at times like maybe we're disqualified or maybe we ought to be disqualified or maybe Mm -hmm. maybe we're presuming to wait and hope in the Lord. And yet we've got all this messed up part of us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Mart. I think there's a flip side to that, too. And the flip side is that it's in those times of tension that we really begin to feel our own vulnerability Mm. and become aware of our failings Mm. in a different way. And so realizing that weakness is an important part of the the side benefits, if you will, of being forced into a waiting situation. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes we even get frustrated with ourselves for maybe being filled with doubt in a season of waiting, or we get frustrated with ourselves for feeling impatient. We're like, why don't I just trust God more? Mm. And here's this example within this psalm of David clearly recognizing the brokenness in him that's causing him to struggle in some ways, to trust God too. And so as we await God's direction in whatever aspect of life that we feel that right now, 
I think one of the themes maybe that we see in this psalm that might help us is this this trusting in the character of God. And even when we struggle to trust that character because of doubt or the struggles that we have within us, we can look back at where God's been faithful for us in the past to find courage as we await for God to lead us forward. Have you ever prayed and asked God to show up? Oh, yeah. Yeah? (laughs) How many times? Yeah. (laughs) Can you describe one of those times? Do you feel comfortable doing that? I can remember praying like crazy for my son who was gone. I didn't know where he was, and I just longed for God to reach him. Um, I remember, well, just recently praying for my brother who went through an incredibly difficult Mm. health challenge. And I'm like, oh, what's going to become of him? And I would just beg God to show up. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's a million of them, but mm. it's painful. Mm. And yet I know yeah. we need to remember, don't we? Because yeah. it reminds us of God's faithfulness. You know, I think that's the point. We need to remember them so that we remember that God did show up. Yeah. We yeah. might not want to remember the event, but to remember, yeah, but at the end of that, there was this moment where God's presence was very real to me, and yeah. and that's what came out of it. You know, it's interesting. Most of what I've heard so far is waiting for God to show up in a crisis, mm-hmm. which I think captures the spirit of the psalm that we're going to spend some time in today. But have there been any situations where you've been waiting for God or asking God to show up that's not been in crisis? I'm actually living one now, though, and, and because you're drawing my attention to it, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. why I'm noticing it, but I'm writing a book, and it's a book on loneliness. And I'll sit down at my computer and just kind of dive in and start writing, and I wait, <laughs> wait, I don't even know what I'm talking about. And, and mm-hmm. I have discovered again, and I it, almost any time I have a writing project, God leads me back to this of, Lord, I need your help here. I need mm-hmm. you to show up here. Otherwise, it's just words. You know, what does the reader need? But he's like, no, I'd like to be involved here. <laughs> so I need to stop and, and ask him, okay, what is it you'd like to, to point out? That's mm-hmm. good. Because we're all there too. But there's another <laughs> side to this. But I've been waiting for 25 years. I think I figured it out the other day, or 30 years. And God hasn't shown up in the way I, I hoped he would, or that I was looking mm-hmm. for, or that I felt like I needed. And I'm still waiting. It's been unresolved. Mm. Now, along the way, there have been countless times when I felt like, well, the Lord showed up, but it wasn't in the way I expected. And he showed up in a way mm. that... It helped me to keep going. Yeah. And I really sensed it was from him. I wasn't just imagining it. Mm. But there are these unresolved things where he just hasn't yet mm. shown up in the way I've, I've wanted him to or begged him to. So you're still waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're all there, too, in some ways for things that we have mm. talked with God about many, many times, maybe. And we're waiting for him to show up in a way that we would really like him to. And he hasn't shown up in that way yet. We're in this series of conversations on what it means to wait on the Lord. Uh, In our last conversation, we talked about one of the Hebrew words for wait, which was kavach. What did we see about that word, what it means? 
Oh, you used this great word picture, Daniel, where you talked about a rope with several strands being twisted together and then like almost pulled at each end so that it's taut Mm -hmm. or tensed, you know, so so that it's strong. Is that right? And am I wrong? That's us, right? It's like we're the rope. (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. And in the passage that we're going to see today, we'll see not only the use of that word kavach, which is that tense rope waiting, but we're also going to see another word for what it looks like to wait. We're going to look at Psalm 130 today. This is a psalm of ascent. What are psalms of ascent? They were the songs that um, Jewish pilgrims would sing as they were going up, ascent, as they were going up to Jerusalem three times a year for the for the feasts of Passover and first fruits and uh, tabernacles. Those were the three required feasts, and these were songs that they would sing going up to Jerusalem. So let's read this song that they would sing. Elisa, will you get us started? Psalm 130, verse 1. You bet. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Where did you see that word wait show up in this psalm? couple of times. <laughs> but in verse 5, I see it. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I wait. And then verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the word doesn't appear in verse 1, but the idea sure does. Right. Out of the depths, mm-hmm. I cry to you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the voice of somebody who's really having a hard time while they wait. Yep. And it's interesting. In mine, I've got in verse 5, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I've put my hope in his word. It's just a little different way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And I miss this in verse six. It just, I'm getting it going back like you are, Mart, more than those who watch for the morning. And then that's repeated, more than those mm-hmm. who watch for the morning. I'm waiting that way. And who has not been there? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you wake in the middle of the night, especially us older folks, and you're like, when is morning come? I may as well get up kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Notice that it's repeated. Anytime something's repeated in scripture, it kind of, brings attention to it in some way. It's poetic, isn't it? Yeah, it's poetic. Mm -hmm. And um, even that concept of the watchman waiting for the morning, what does that kind of refer to in that time? Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. In ancient times, when this psalm was written, uh, nighttime was danger time. Mm -hmm. And you would wait for the morning because in the light of day, there was a greater sense of safety, even though you might still be in a dangerous place. At least you could see the danger around you. And so mm-hmm. so waiting for the morning was waiting for the opportunity to feel safe again. Mm-hmm. This is reminding me of Habakkuk, Daniel, and Bill on, on that, um, where he says he's going to station himself on the ramparts and watch for God's answer. He's waiting. How long, Lord, must I wait? And that's that same kind of uh, reference, Mm -hmm. isn't it? You know, waiting for the morning, waiting for the answer. Yeah. Hmm. And what would the job of the watchman be? To not fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
stay awake, <laughs> to be on alert while mm -hmm. everybody in the town gets to sleep in peace because he's this watchman, <laughs> the one that will mm -hmm. let them know if something bad's coming. Uh, and so we have this beautiful metaphor, I think, of this mixture between waiting, but also this hope for the morning. Mm. Because when the morning comes, that anticipation it comes to fruition. And that actually brings us to verse 7, which says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. And that Hebrew word, yachel, can also be translated wait or to await. Hmm. And so this is another one of those words where just like kavach, we have wait or hope. The other word for waiting in Hebrew, yachel, is also to wait or to hope. And so the waiting in this psalm and throughout the Bible is this hopeful anticipation, this expectation mm -hmm. that we see with the watchman who's waiting, right? With this anticipation that yeah. the morning's coming. But I have to tell you, Daniel, that maybe that's the part that I struggle with. Yeah. Because the anxiety and the tension and the pressure, and in some cases, the responsibility mm. in a moment of waiting is not all that hopeful. It's mostly just, let me get this over with. It's not like I'm filled with anticipation. It's mostly just the dread of the moment and the burden of it. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, you're talking about a hope that reflects more confidence, right? Rather than just wishing or just yearning. or When you say you're having a hard time hoping, you're certainly wishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And desiring, but you're saying you're having a hard time being confident in anticipation? Does the concept of Advent maybe help us here? Absolutely. You know, Advent is anticipating the coming of Christ, but we're doing it 2,000 years after he indeed came. So we're doing it with a proven result of what the wait is. And, and it's tough. You know, if you put yourself back in Psalm 130, everything's anticipated with more of the begging for release that, that you're talking about, Bill. And, the, and I think maybe the spirit of Advent, when we know with confidence what's already happened and we're waiting and remembering while we're waiting for the future return, maybe that helps us understand this waiting and hope. Yeah, I think so. And actually, this part of the conversation is a perfect setup for our next conversation that we'll have, where that'll be the core part. Of, You're welcome. <laughs> the yes. core part of the conversation, which is this, how do we have hope and anticipation when the anxiety of waiting feels overwhelming, which mm -hmm. all of us have been there as well, especially if we're crying out to God in crisis. But there is this spirit within this psalm. I mean, this is a very hopeful psalm. It starts off with, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. So the psalmist, and then as all of these people are singing this psalm on the way to Jerusalem, they are feeling the need for rescue, the need for deliverance. Mm -hmm. And within that need of deliverance, there is this hope of this anticipation that the morning is coming. The morning is coming. And I think one of the primary characteristics of what it means to follow Jesus and to be a part of Christianity is that we have a religion based on hope, that we can look back and see when God was faithful to the promise he said of, I'm going to send a Messiah, and he did. And because of looking back on God's faithfulness, we can trust him to be faithful in the future as well. Yeah, and that's where looking back can help us wait and look forward. God has been faithful in the past, and we can trust Him to be faithful as we wait. Well, you're listening to the Discover the Word podcast and more of this study called 
Wait For It, is coming up after this word about where the group will be going in our next podcast. On the next Discover the Word podcast, Elisa Morgan leads Mark DeHaan and Bill Crowder and Daniel Ryan Day in some discussions about well, the number one topic that Discover the Word listeners have said they want us to talk about, and that's prayer. I love this quote from Philip Yancey. He writes in his book, Prayer, Does It Make Any Difference? He says, why does prayer rank so high on surveys of theoretical importance and so low on surveys of actual satisfaction? Yeah, we know that prayer is important, but we have so many questions and we feel so inept at it most of the time. We'll join the group next time as Elisa shares with us what she calls a pop, a perspective changer that came from her study of one of Jesus' prayers. Discover how the image of the three sides of a coin, three sides? Yeah, three sides of a coin can help us when we pray like Jesus in the next Discover the Word podcast. And now let's discover together how waiting and hope are so closely linked as we continue to explore how waiting is such an important part of our stories as well as the story of the Bible. What is hope? How would you define the word hope? My guess is that's a big wish. It's a huge wish. Yeah. Hmm. In some previous conversations on Discover the Word before Daniel joined the team, we did some conversations on hope. And I always think of it in terms of the old Dusty Springfield song, Wishing and Hoping. Because <laughs> uh, that's kind of like what you're describing, Mart. It's a big wish. And yet that doesn't seem to really line up with the kind of hope the Bible talks about. Yeah. And I can remember Eugene Peterson differentiating between wishing and hoping and wishing is wishful thinking it's like you know i wish i could see my kids more often or i wish somebody would remember my birthday you know but hoping is seismically different mm-hmm. when i was looking up uh, the word hope in one of the bible dictionaries that i use called laonida they defined the word hope as to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial mm. But when we talk about how our culture describes hope, I think what we've been describing as wishful thinking is pretty spot Mm -hmm. on, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's how our culture kind of describes it. I hope my team will win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like how much confidence can you really have in that? And Daniel, from the outside, my guess is from a culture's point of view that what we're talking about sounds presumptuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good point, Mart, because again, going back to yesterday's conversation, the reason we have confidence in what God can do in the future is because we've seen his faithfulness in the past and the culture around us doesn't have a point of reference for that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm going back to our very first conversation on this topic of wait for it and how we were looking, I think, Psalm 27 and how you know we're supposed to wait for the Lord. This is David talking, be strong. May your heart have confidence almost is the way it read. There is a choice in this. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, David hadn't yet seen it. And yet the idea of confidence is still present as he's trying to wait for God because of mm-hmm. he has confidence in God's character in terms of what he has seen God accomplish in Israel and in the story of God's people so far. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I would like to kind of zero in on is, you know, we're in a series on waiting. Some people might be hearing this and thinking, 
but we're talking about hope. So what's the deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. But we've already kind of seen the connection between the two, right? Yeah. Even the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for wait can also be translated hope, both of the Hebrew words in the Old Testament. And so I thought it might be fun to go into the New Testament a little bit and look at some more verses that describe waiting and hope and how they're connected together. And that might help us not only get a different picture or a better picture of what hope is, but also bring a little encouragement to us as well as we're waiting. So let's turn to Romans 8, and we're going to read verses 18 through 28 together. Listen for words like wait and hope in this as we read. And Mart, if you'll get us started, that'd be great. Romans 8, 18. Okay. Paul writes, uh, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. That's a lot there, Daniel. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) What jumped out to you as we were thinking specifically of waiting and hoping, and I heard a lot of groaning (laughs) in there. Yeah, to me what jumped out was neither waiting or hoping, but it's kind of both. (laughs) And that's at the end of verse 25. We wait for it with patience. And that's Mm. where I trip up every time because Mm. since I'm not very good at waiting, by definition, I'm not very patient. And Mm -hmm. so to wait for it is hard enough. To wait for it with a patient spirit is even harder. But that's the beauty of the word groaning, isn't it? Permission here to groan. There's a, a contrast, too, between hoping and waiting for what you can see and for what you can't see. And so when you can see something, that's really not the challenge, is what Paul's saying, I think, here. But when you can't see something, that's super challenging. That's where Mm -hmm. you have to wait with hope and patience. Mm. And what is creation groaning for here? What is it longing for? Freedom. Rescue. uh, Healing. I mean, obviously, you know, in an earlier conversation this week, Mark took us back into the garden with the Mm -hmm. first sin and the first failing. One of the results of that first sin was that creation itself bore part of the consequences of Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve's failing. And so while we're groaning for certain things, there's a sense where creation is waiting and groaning to be rescued from the consequences of sin as well. 
Yeah, if rescued from us. Mm-hmm. True. There's so much conversation and appropriate conversation about the environmental damage mm-hmm. that we're doing with our technology, mm-hmm. with our industry. Man, we live in an area where the stream is so polluted, you know, so toxic. Mm-hmm. And you just think of what that's doing just in a, in a microcosm of creation, mm-hmm. the damage that it's doing. Yeah. So groaning is a good word, I think, yeah. to describe not only what creation is feeling and experiencing, but what we feel and experience when we're waiting too, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially if we've been waiting a long time for something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, like, hey, just wait till tomorrow and we'll handle this. Personally, I struggle with that, especially if there's conflict involved. I probably won't sleep all night. And so there'll mm-hmm. be a little bit of groaning. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's really bad for me when it's on Friday <laughs> and they say, you know what, we'll deal with this on Monday. And I have yeah. to think mm. about it for three days, <laughs> right, yeah. or whatever. That groaning just gets deep within us. Mm-hmm. It makes it hard to function sometimes. And I think that's what we see creation feeling, that same thing as we go all the way back to the garden. That was when it was broken. And then thousands mm. and thousands and thousands of years of waiting for it all to be mm. made right. You know, a question comes to mind, Daniel, when we talk about creation, are we only talking about things or creatures? Mm. Does humanity fall into that as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it goes back to God's creation of the world and every piece. He keeps saying, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then when he gets to the creation of his image bearers, men and women, humanity, he says, this is very good. I think all of those pieces are included mm. in what creation mm. is that's longing to be redeemed. And Paul says that the way for us to deal with that is to hope for it with patience. We're not very good at waiting patiently, especially when something is so painful and so deep that it causes groaning Mm -hmm. within us. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I am so Mm -hmm. thankful for verse 26. Will somebody read that for us? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Yeah, and my translation says with groanings. So mm-hmm. just like creation groans and we groan, actually the spirit groans too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. The spirit groans for us. The spirit joins us in our groaning. Mm-hmm. And the spirit helps us with our weakness. And that word weakness uh, can be translated sickness, infirmity. In the context, it seems to imply kind of this spiritual or inner brokenness or sickness that is waiting to be removed or healed. And so this passage, I think there's a lot of hope here, which is the fact that we don't have to do it on our own. Yeah, Mm. The Holy Spirit is there to help us in that groaning and that weakness. In an earlier program, Daniel, you asked us when were times that God showed up. Mm -hmm. And I think what Paul's telling us in Romans 8 is that He's already showed up. He's already there. He's already present in the person of the Spirit. We may not recognize His presence. We may not sense His presence, but He has already shown up in the person of the Spirit, and He's right there with us every step of the way, groaning in harmony with our groans. Let's revisit what we've talked about in our previous conversations so far. What have we been talking about? What have we seen Well, the big idea that you've been walking us through is that the story of the Bible is basically a story about waiting Mm -hmm. that's reflected in a whole series of stories about waiting. 
So when we're struggling with our weights, we've got good company with just about every <laughs> single character in Scripture, right? Yeah, which reflects the fact that in many ways, waiting is the story of our lives. Mm. That's right. Yeah. We talked about how waiting on the Lord, when King David was describing that in one of the Psalms that he wrote, he was looking back at who God is, right? His steadfast love, uh, his faithfulness, mm -hmm. and how that helps us in our waiting sometimes when we think about the character of God. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ideas for me out of this week is how closely connected waiting is with hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, didn't you tell us that the words can be translated either way, that the Hebrew yeah. word can be translated both as waiting or as hoping? And then we talked about the difference between <laughs> hoping and wishing. And, you know, mm -hmm. when we're hoping, when we're waiting in hope, we're really trusting in, in God's character, as you just said, and also in his faithfulness and what we've seen, what he's already provided, and therefore what we will trust he will provide in the future. Yeah. Yeah. At least there's so much packed into those words, into what we've seen. The whole way the drama of Scripture unfolds, it's like based on something that has happened in the past, mm -hmm. you know, where maybe there was already a waiting and then God showed up and God did something. And then that experience of his provision became the basis for those who followed mm -hmm. the next generation or generations yes. who then had the story of, of another generation that was waiting God showed up, and now on the basis of him showing up for them, we have reason to believe that he still cares, mm -hmm. and he cares about us. And I think about how intentional God was, and I'm not sure we've talked about this yet, to make sure that his people remembered how he showed yeah. up. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, whether it was with memorial stones in the Joshua story, you know, put these stones in the river and remember what I've done, or, or whether it's in mm -hmm. ceremonies and sacraments like the Passover and then the Lord's mm -hmm. Supper. You know, God's really careful to say, you know, bind these commandments on your heart and teach them to your children when you walk in the way. You know, it, he just is very intentional about remember because we are in a, a story of waiting. And that was the key to everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think the remembering is a key part of it because as we look back, it's like the illustration of climbing a mountain. What on one moment is an obstacle in the next moment becomes a platform. That's good. Mm -hmm. uh, something you can stand on. So as you climb, you see the next obstacle, but then once you're past it, now you have firm ground. And that's kind of what those experiences of mm. waiting are. Yeah. And so we have this book that's full of stories of waiting and then God showing up. But we've also shared from our lives stories of waiting where God has shown up or areas where we're still waiting for him to show up mm. in some way. And so even for us with our experiences, we can look back and see how God has shown up in the past. And that gives us this hopeful confidence. That was one of the words that came out of how we were talking about hope, that we have confidence mm -hmm. because we know who our God is and how he works. But even in the moments where we struggle with that confidence, what does God do? He provides his spirit and his spirit groans with us in our groanings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just so powerful to see within that context of Romans 8, how all of creation's groaning, we're groaning. And what is God's response to that? To not only help, but to also groan with us. Yeah. And in a sense, Daniel, I mean, we talked about it yesterday in terms of the Holy Spirit, but isn't that also mm -hmm. part of what the incarnation was mm -hmm. about? Absolutely. And that, that really re that reflects the wonder, doesn't it, of we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So if the spirit is groaning, it really means the father is groaning. And if the son is groaning, it means the spirit and the father are groaning with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's not a judgment for our groaning, right? Mm. Like there's, there's a joining. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a joining. Good. And I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier to talk about leaning on the spirit in our weakness and in our desire to wait than it is to actually do it sometimes. I think you're the only one that feels that way, Daniel. (laughs) So I thought it might be worth, as we're closing out this series, to maybe spend a little bit more time talking about how the Spirit joins us as we wait. And I think a great example of that is in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 5. Sure, I'll grab it. For through the Spirit, by faith... We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. And so there's this, I think, this beautiful kind of summary of all that we've talked about this week within this verse. But being good students of how we study the scriptures, we probably shouldn't just pull a verse out of the middle of a chapter and say that this is what we should do. Oh, (laughs) why (laughs) not? So Galatians, we've actually spent quite a bit of time as a team talking about Galatians. We went through every chapter together, and people will be able to go back and listen to that in the archives if they want to. But specifically, Galatians chapter 5, what are some of the themes that we see? And maybe read verse 1 first of Galatians 5, and then let's talk about what's going on in this chapter. There's a freedom, isn't there, that's Mm -hmm. referred to immediately in in chapter 5. So Christ has truly set us free. Mm -hmm. And now make sure, Paul writes, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Yeah. I'm glad your translation says slavery to the law, Mart, because that really makes it specific for us. We know that there was a lot of slavery in ancient times when Mm -hmm. this was written, but Mm -hmm. Paul's talking about a very specific kind of slavery. And then when he says in verse 5, we're waiting for the hope of righteousness, the whole thing we saw when we discussed Galatians was that how right relationship with God was achieved was not through slavery to the law, but through mm-hmm. being set free by Christ. Mm-hmm. And Paul's writing to a people who are confused. You know, there'd been yeah. some false teachers taking them back to the law. And, you know, Paul's going, hey, don't go back and get under that kind of a yoke of slavery. You know, Christ died to set you free. So here, this is kind of a, a turning point in his letter where he's taking what he's been talking about in terms of what's true and now he's sliding it into how what difference that makes in how we live which is right up the alley and what we're talking about regarding waiting isn't it mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so how does waiting fit in to all of that as you're talking about elisa how does waiting fit in yeah i think um you know we've talked about waiting is not just passivity you know waiting is actually an action and when we do it well <laughs> when we wait well We actually express our hope and our confidence is another word we've been using a lot in God's character, you know, that he wants good for us, that he's acting on our behalf, that what he's done in the past underlines that if we'll remember it. And uh, we can live differently because of that. We don't have to slip back into, if you want to say it this way, a yoke of fear or anxiety or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We can actually walk forward in great freedom because Mm -hmm. we can trust him and we can trust that he is bringing about what is good for us and for everyone. And I think that trust is really brought out in this verse because we've talked about waiting and we've talked about patience and we've talked about hope. But in verse 5 of Galatians 5, it introduces the idea of trust when it says, for through the Spirit, by faith. 
That's another component. Why do we wait? We wait because we trust. And don't you love that even in this verse, of course, Paul wrote the one we talked about yesterday from Romans 8, that the Spirit helps us. But here in Galatians 5, he's reminding us that we don't have to wait all by our own steam. You know, it's through Mm -hmm. the Spirit by faith. The Spirit again joins us rather than judging us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both you, Elisa, and Bill just mentioned the word faith. How is even faith described in verse 6? Like, how is faith something that we experience or do? Yeah, verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, that's adherence to the law or not, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Hmm. So now we're back to kind of what David was describing when he was talking about, like, how do I wait? How do I let my heart take courage? And he started describing the love of God, the steadfast love of God. And so there's this waiting through the Spirit. There's uh, this waiting for, as we describe, the hope of right relationship with God. Hmm. And there's also this layer of love, of God's love for us as God meets us in our waiting. Daniel, in the beginning of that, of those, you mentioned three things, and you've been emphasizing living by the Spirit. What if somebody says, I don't get it? What does it mean (laughs) by the Spirit? How do you get there? The first thing I would say is I think what I'm so encouraged by in our last conversation is all it says that our criteria is, is that we didn't even know what to pray for. And so the Spirit stepped in and started praying. So there's like even the dependence that we're talking about is like God holding our hand and helping us even when we don't know how to ask for help or what we even need help Mm -hmm. for. Okay, so Um, he's doing for us what we don't even really understand, right? mm, Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We don't even understand it. Yeah. And for those of us who are maybe theologically bent a little bit, maybe the freedom comes in the fact that we don't have to understand it. Mm. I mean, Mm. we want to dot every I, we want to cross every T, we Mm. want to get everything cubbyholed. And basically, there's a freedom here that says, it's okay to try to understand it, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm working, and that's all that matters. Just trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as we kind of bring all this together, right, we've talked about how the story of the Bible is a story of waiting. We've talked about how our lives are lives of waiting, our stories of waiting. We know that after we're finished with this conversation, we all have a whole bunch more waiting to do in our lives. <laughs> how can we be encouraged based on these conversations and what we've seen as we approach the future and wait more. I think my number one takeaway is uh, is the Spirit's willingness to join me. I don't have to wait mm-hmm. by myself. And when I mm-hmm. feel like I just want to bust out a line and steer off at 90 miles an hour in the opposite direction, you know, <laughs> the Spirit can help me. I can ask Him to help me, help me understand, help me believe, help me trust, help me do what I can't do. Mm-hmm. And that means our God gets it. He understands our need. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I've been most struck by in these conversations is that we don't serve a God who judges or condemns us for having doubts in seasons of waiting. We don't have a God who looks down on us because we get impatient in our waiting. We don't have a God that uh, gets frustrated with us for not trusting him more in our waiting. Hmm. Even in our groaning, even when waiting gets the best of us sometimes, Hmm. we have a God who joins us in waiting who groans with us, even though he has the perspective of when all things will work out, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, well, just wait, I've got it. 
he joins us in that waiting and says, you know what, I'll wait with you. And that is a great way to end this series about waiting for God. Thank you, Daniel, for leading us through these conversations. Like our stories, the story of the Bible is in so many ways a story of waiting. And I love that last thought. In all the waiting, God says, I'll wait with you. This is the Discover the Word podcast with your friends Mark Dehan, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the Scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. I encourage you to explore other studies with the group, on our discovertheword.org website. Well, these studies on the Discover the Word podcast and all the resources that Our Daily Bread Ministries is able to provide are made possible because grateful friends like you give voluntary donations to cover the costs. Your giving helps make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And if you'd like to partner with us financially, Go online to discovertheword.org and click the Donate tab to explore some of your options. All right, I'm Brian Hedding. Thanks for studying with us. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. 